dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, we return to Winefabet Street, where the letter of the day is Y, and it stands for Yapinjak. A native Turkish grape variety, we knew who to reach out to to get the scoop. Andrea Lemieux, author of The Essential Guide to Turkish Wine, an exploration of one of the oldest and most unexpected wine countries. While you are listening, please take a moment to rate and review Exploring the Wine Glass. Ratings are now available not only on Apple Podcasts, but also Spotify and Audible. Taking one minute of your time is the only way the logarithms will suggest exploring the wine glass to other wine lovers. Enjoy. Slancha. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET Level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. All right, we're on. We are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Wine for Bet Street. It is so incredible to think that we are at Y of our second season. And this is going to be a great episode because I'm going to bet the majority of people out there have never heard of this grape. And we've got an expert on it all the way from Turkey. We have Andrea Lemieux, who is going to be talking about, if I say it correctly, Yapinjak on Wifebet Street, right? Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Very good. All right, Andrea, can you give us a little introduction to you and how you're in Turkey and how you know about this grape? <laughs> um, so, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Lori and Debbie. Um, I have been in Turkey for about nine years. I came here originally for a completely unwine related job, fell in love with the country, stayed, uh, slowly fell in love with the wine, uh, became really interested in the industry and in all of the really interesting native grapes that they have here and um, kind of it just took off from there and made it kind of my mission to uh, proselytize about Turkish wine and Turkish grapes as much as I can. (laughs) Well, I think it's awesome. And I have already learned so much. I know where to go when I have a question about Turkish wine. (laughs) I know where to go. Um, so welcome to Wine for Bet Street. I am your co-host, Lori. For those of you who don't know, my husband and I own Dracina Wines in Paso Robles. We uh, specialize in Cab Franc, which we just found out on Friday that our latest vintage got another gold medal. So we are excited about that. Thank you. And if you can't find me on social media at Dracina Wines, I am also everywhere as Exploring the Wine Glass. So, Deb, how about you? I'm Debbie Giacorno. I'm known as the Hudson Valley Wine Goddess. I'm a certified specialist of wine, a wine location specialist in port and champagne. And I'm also a partner in a restaurant in North Wildwood called Trio North Wildwood and author 
of uh, tapping the Hudson Valley day trips and weekend itineraries to the Hudson Valley wine region. Let's get going. California officially, and he is very, very happy to welcome Andrea to Wine from That Street. <laughs> so, Andrea, we know it's 2 a.m. by you, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, it is. We're gonna thank, thank you for you. either staying up or waking up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure, really. I, uh, Deb, you're missing the most important thing. We have done our introductions, we yes. have talked to Elmo. Yes. It is time. All right, that, maybe that's what I need, a drink. <laughs> oh, look at that color. Cheers. Okay, so Cheers. this is yeah. a 2018 Slancha. Slancha, mine is 18 too. Nice golden yellow. Yes. Ooh, very nice. Very, very nice. All right. Well, just we will get into it a little bit later, but I am yes. drinking, thanks to Andrea, I am drinking a Souvla Reserve, Souvla Reserve 2018. And it, Deb, what do you have? I'm drinking a Sevillan. Is that how you say it? I'm not really good on pronunciations. Yep. Yeah. It's All really right. nice. And Andrea, what are you drinking? Or are you drinking? I have both of those open, but I'm also drinking Pasheli's Yayakoy Yapanjak. Pasheli is like the producer for Yapanjak available in the U.S. Okay, so that's the one that they're probably <laughs> going to be able to find the easiest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so All people, right. you hear that, you can find it. You can find it. I was going to say Turkey. I mean, the only I've never been to Turkey, but I've been to Hios, Greece, so I've seen Turkey. <laughs> um, can you give us some, like, you know, our our listeners and viewers an idea on where it is, how long, because I know it's a long flight. I remember that. Um, what's it like, you know, in Turkey, like before COVID and if they want to come to Turkey right now, what what's in place? Um, because, you know, and, and Turkey, I mean, I believe that's where, you know, a lot of wine originated too. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah. So Turkey is, it constantly surprises my mother how big of a country it is when she visits me and she wants to, you know, she's seen something on television or read something. Oh, I want to go there. How, how easy is it to get there? I'm like, it's easy. We get on an airplane and we fly there. She's like, oh, it's not far away. country, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from the U.S., I guess, depending on which coast you're coming from, uh, it's anywhere from, I think, six to, gosh, how far would it be to the, I've never flown all the way to the West Coast from Turkey. It, I know from here to Chicago, it's 11 hours, because that's the route that I take. Oh, okay. So it's probably then 16 hours, because something or, like that. Yes. it's like four yeah. hours to Chicago. So, mm -hmm. 
Wow, that's a haul. Yeah, a number of cities in the U.S. and they are one of the best airlines, internationally speaking, domestically. Daytona is not. Don't play. What was the airline? Turkish Airlines. Turkish Air. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is such a vast country and there is so much to see and do and eat and drink here. If you come as, as a tourist, um, it's easy to get outside of Istanbul. Uh, there are direct flights, uh, to so many cities in, in the country. And there are, I mean, we have the wealth of Greece's ruins. Uh, there are so many ancient cities here, uh, and quite often they are not terribly far away from a winery. <laughs> so it's easy <laughs> to do. <laughs> kind of history, tourism, art tourism, along with, you know, uh, gastronomy and, and wine. And it is really building itself up as a gastronomic country. And there are a number of cities here and wineries that are like friends of slow food um and a lot of places well one of the things that the wine industry does to uh, encourage wine tourism here because that's a very new concept here is so many wineries have built on-site hotels and restaurants and then top that off with um a lot of them having what one winery calls edible landscapes so a lot of them try to you know plant uh at least all of the herbs that they're going to be using in their cooking or, you know, do um, uh, base their menus entirely on what they can source locally somehow. Uh, so there's some really cool stuff happening here with, in regards to that. Um, as far as COVID goes, <laughs> uh, so Turkey doesn't close its borders to many people because of COVID. There are a few countries that are still kind of on the, on the please don't come list. <laughs> Um, but there are no general quarantines. Um, I don't even think Turkey requires a negative. I think maybe you have to have either a negative PCR test or vaccination. Um, uh, there's a mask mandate generally. So you're supposed to be wearing them on the street and inside. And some places are better about it than others. Um, but people are usually at least pretty good about it on airplanes, on public transportation, in museums, that, that kind of a thing. So it's um, it's kind of life like normal here, just with a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to ask, you've been, you've been in Turkey for a number of years. Yeah. What do you miss from home, wherever home is in the States? Uh, um, I mostly miss access to things um like access to you know any country's wine or you know spices from anywhere i want i miss good mexican food <laughs> chinese food <laughs> i miss that i miss good chinese food whoa there's nothing here <laughs> oh we had some really good places well, i'm assuming they still exist i lived in dc before moving here and there were some fantastic places in DC for like real Chinese food, not American Chinese food. Yeah. So I really miss that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I miss. <laughs> and I miss like <laughs> so, all right. I think I pronounced it correctly. Yapanjak. Yep. Yapanjak. Okay. Yapanjak. Okay. So 
it's an odd spelling. I'm not going to lie. And I do think, <laughs> I do think that that's something that Americans have an issue with. They yeah. stick to grape varieties that they can pronounce and that are easy to see. So can you, you know, I don't know. Do you, I've actually seen multiple ways of say of how to say it. So mm -hmm. what is that? Is that always the C is always a J? Is that in Turkish language? Yes. Uh, the C is always um, uh, a, a J sound yeah. unless the C has that little, I don't know what it's called. The um, Oh, that little thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if you see that, then it's a CH sound. Okay. Okay. Uh, yep. And then the I is not really an I, right? I mean, I the I is not really an I. There is there is an I with the dot that has a different sound that sounds more like an like an E. Uh, okay. And this I is it's even after nine years, I still have a hard time actually pronouncing this particular vowel correctly. It's like uh, uh, okay, like, you know, or you know, so okay. Yeah. Can you speak fluent uh, Turkish? No, not no. at all. <laughs> I speak wine Turkish. Um, <laughs> That's important. Of, That's important. That particular topic, I, I have trouble with, with things. I'm actually taking uh, Tuesday nights. I have a Greek class. And my Greek class is taught in Turkish. And I am learning, I think, more Turkish than I am Greek from this class. <laughs> Wow. So my mother-in-law is Greek and I grew up with Greek friends. So the only thing I, I really know how to do in Greek is swear. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing to you for some of those words. <laughs> it's funny how that's what we always learn. When you learn a new language, those are the first things you learn. Yes. That and then food, yeah. those are the important words. Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about, let me see if I can pronounce it correctly. Yap and Jack. Did I Yap do it right? Jack. Okay. Um, about the history of the grape, like, you know, the mother, the father of the grape. Oh, you yeah, start with the hard questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> the parentage of, of the yes. grape. Um, I know it's an old variety. It's existed in the, so Turkey is split into two sections. There's kind of the Thracian European side. And then once you cross the Sea of Marmara and the Bosphorus and everything, then you have Anatolia, which is on the Asian continent. Um, so like Istanbul is the city that famously straddles both of these continents. Um, Yapanjak is from the Thracian European side. It's grown in uh, a region called uh, kind of Tekirda, which is the larger region. And then you see it in places like Murefte, Sharke, uh, Yayakö. It's like all these like small little villages um, along the, Mar the Sea of Marmara. That's all I know about the history. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. The, the grape itself grows in Northwest Turkey and mainly in the Marmara? And Marmara. Marmara mm -hmm. and Asian regions. So can you tell mm -hmm. us like about these two regions and? So uh, this part of, of Turkey, at least as far as, um, if not administratively or uh, culturally or anything else, this part of Turkey has 
what I like to think of as three different wine growing regions. Uh, Thrace is um, kind of at the top uh, along the, uh, the border with Bulgaria and Greece. And that's not the part that we're talking about as far as this grape grow goes. The Marmara region is kind of the chunk in the middle between Thrace and where we, um, so it's kind of like this middle part between um, really the mainland and where the, um, the peninsula comes off, the, um, the Gallipoli Peninsula. Um, and this part of the country has a lot of influence, both from the Sea of Marmara and from a bunch of these small bays that come around, and then a little bit from the, Aege from the Aegean coming in on the other side. So it, is, it, it tends to be warmer and more humid than the rest of Thrace, uh, and that seems to be where this grape thrives the best. Um, these are usually pretty old vines that we're talking about. I mean, okay. you know, not like the centennial vines in South Africa or anything like that, but you know, 30 plus year old vines. And as far as I'm aware, the majority of them, if not all of the vineyards are grown in um, like the bush goblet um, style. Uh, oh, okay. Wow. It gets very windy there. Uh, it is very windy in that part of Turkey. And in fact, along the Sea of Marmara and in parts of the kind of where it meets the Aegean, I think they are pretty well known for having like kite surfing festivals every year. Um, oh, that's cool. So yeah. very windy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, growing in that, that goblet style really helps protect the grapes. Um, and I- But it's goblet bush. It's a bush. It's not like Asiatica, right? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. We don't have those here. It would be cool if we did, but we don't. It's yeah, the goblet bush, um, and uh, it's a fairly thin skin grape. Uh, okay. So also growing in that that way helps protect them more from the sun. Uh, and while it tends to be a kind of pale yellowish green color, it will develop uh, like little brown freckles. Um, <laughs> Yay! And <laughs> and so you'll find that some wineries use kind of a, it's not like an alter, it's not an alternate name for the grape. It's kind of a nickname. I like to think of it as a, a, for the grape. So uh, like Laura, your bottle, it doesn't just say yup and jock. No, um, it does not. Kanala yup and jock. Yes. Kanala is the Turkish word for hennad. And oh. That's these grapes that have these little freckles, they're, they're the hennad yup and jocks. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, so mine case. says something that says Bezak Sek Sarek. Uh, Sek Shut Up. It means dry white wine. Okay. Gotcha. Dry, dry wine. <laughs> so uh, is, are the freckles like a different clone that only nope, certain of them come? I, I don't think so. I think it's, um, so I thought I read that it happens with the sun and it can make the, the wine bitter. It can make the wine bitter. So I think it's a natural thing that happens with the with the grapes, um, just generally. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, pressing the, the skins too hard can make the wine, the resulting wine, very bitter. Uh, so that's one of the reasons, as I've understood it, that the grape hasn't been used in, like hasn't been really enthusiastically embraced because there are so many wineries in this region. and 
three, four of them use this gripe as all. Oh, wow. Uh, you, have to, you have to press them very gently. So of course that means, you know, you get less juice, which means you get less wine, which means it's more expensive to make. Uh, and I think Pacelli was the first one to really start using this grape. They released the first um, uh, varietal wine with it in, I think he told me 2010. And then two years later, Suvla started. And um, there's another winery in that region. Um, I think Melen uses this grape and Sevilen started making wine with it in 2018. So it's, you know, maybe building up a little momentum. <laughs> is it is it an ancient grape? Like, has it been it's around for for like centuries? Since the dawn of age. Yeah, <laughs> since the dawn of age. <laughs> um, I would like to answer that confidently with yes, but I don't know because That's fine. I, yeah. I don't know that they that I mean, when you think about the various governments and peoples who have come through. Turkey in the mm -hmm. last couple few centuries. I don't know how well people kept records from, you know, one oh. ruling people to the other. So, right. um, do you? Why do you think it's so? It, it's said that it's difficult to grow. What like, what what makes it difficult to grow? I don't know that it's actually so difficult to grow so uh, so much more as it is maybe difficult to make the wine because of. Um, those freckles and the bitterness and the yeah needing to uh, use more grapes than you would probably like to make something commercially viable. So is this typically? I mean, you said that those three wineries, are, you know, they're the ones who kind of or four wineries are the ones who really use it. Is it used also as a blending grape in other things, or people just disregard very this little. grape except for those um, four? Very little. Uh, Suvla also uses it in uh, I think one or two blends. Uh, but if it, it, it also very well might end up in a blend without anyone copying to it. Um, I believe that in Turkey, you have to have a minimum of 85% of that grape to you know, oh, okay. have that on the, on the label. So what the other 15% might be, uh, yeah. So it, it may sneak into a, into a few other blends, but as far as the people advertising that they're using it, it's really just these three, four wineries. Um, but people are there. I mean, it, it is just these three, four wineries, but they're doing some really fantastic things with it. So Suvla makes, I want to say three uh, varietal wines with it. They've got like a basic, uh, Yup and Jock. Then there's the reserved, which is oak aged. Um, and they do a traditional method sparkling wine with it that rests mm. on the leaves for um, a good long while. I think the most recent vintage that's out is a 2014. Wow. Oh, wow. So, so it, it's it's made in different ways. It, it's, it's a very adaptable grape. It is. It is. And Pacelli uh, now is doing um, skin contact wine with this. Uh, which is really interesting given that it has these kind of, yeah, like bitter freckles. So they don't leave it on the skin terribly long. So it doesn't end up amber or, or orange like we would think of as a, as a skin contact white wine. Um, but it definitely has a little bit more tannin and a little bit of a different flavor to it. Um, they're also, um, they released 
last year. Oh, it's 2022 now. Um, Turkey's first pet net wines. Uh, they made four of them, and one of them they made with Yapunjak. Wow. I bet you it tastes good. It is interesting. I think I did not like it the first time I had no. it, but then I tried it again, and it was yeah, better. <laughs> Petnet, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Petnet is an interesting um, concept process to <laughs> yeah. wrap yourself around. I'm in the process of trying to uh, try different ones to see if mm -hmm. I like them. Put it, to put it that way. Yeah. No. I mean, of the four pet nets they made, I'm going to be honest. It was my least favorite of the four, mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. I thought the flavor profile was very interesting it was just to me it tasted a little hoppy and i do not like beer so wow immediately turned me off um but then there was like some honey and some chamomile and some other interesting things happening with it and i'm, I'm looking forward to trying the new vintage when it comes out kind of cool yeah, yeah it is yeah yeah it is so um where do we leave off here so let's can we talk about the the wines that are like kind of in our glass, like the grape. Well, we've talked about the, um, you know, the grape and the different methods. You know, it's stainless steel oak, method champenois, pet nat. So, mm -hmm. what is the characteristics of the grape when people, you know, see this on the shelf in the store and they're like, should I try a Turkish wine? You know, <laughs> or they're in a Turkish restaurant somewhere and you know. What, what's the profile they can, you know, kind of have in their mind on what to expect? Uh, I think like aroma and flavor profile wise, it, it really is going to depend on um, both how it was made and really where it was made. These, these small little villages like Pasheli especially is good about making like single vineyards or at least single vi village um, wines with, with Japanjok. And it, it, it will change depending on where it is. But I think you're definitely looking at citrus. Um, but like- I'm gonna try to bring up your profile. Oh, look, that works. Okay. <laughs> um, so for those who can see this, this is actually, uh, Andrea's has a book, which we will get into in a little bit, but this is a tasting profile for, for Japanjok. Um, yeah, so uh, citrus, yellow fruits, um, and kind of every yellow fruit you can think of as from like tree fruits, apples, pears to, um, to stone fruit, you'll get some almond uh, in this yet yeah, floral mineral, depending on where it was grown. Uh, and it does do very well with oak and it will take on kind of vanilla, creamy, um, honeyed flavors if it has been aged in oak. I think also one of the things that I look for in Yapanjok is texturally, it reminds me in a lot of ways of Yongye. It's got kind of like an oily fatness to it, um, which I think especially this Sevilen uh, really illustrates. Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, yeah. the age as well. I mean, this is um, the, the Sevilen is a 2018, not yes. oak aged. I mean, this is just, you know, steel. Mm -hmm. Um, made in a very simple but thoughtful manner. Their their winemaker is brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, and I mean, it's still going. It's still going, and, and it's one of my favorite wines, actually. <laughs> I would not say that it's it's um, bitter. 
Um, I don't get a bitterness mm -hmm. out of it. I can see, I, I can see a, a, a Viognier comparison. I can mm -hmm. kind of see that. Um, but it's to mine, the Suvla, it's almost more um, Roussan oh. to me. Um, so yours is more full bodied. Yeah. Um, it, Mine's more medium. It's, it's, I still kind of would classify it as medium, but maybe give it that little, you know, that little extra plus thing that we all hate mm -hmm. so much, um, you know, <laughs> medium plus in the body. Um, but it's got like the nose, I don't know, the nose <clears throat> reminds me somewhat of Roussan. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, not that I, this is the first time I'm smelling this. So it's, I think that if I was blind tasting, Yabanjak would not come to my mind. You know? well, yeah, I have a little minerality on mine, on my nose. Um, it and it, yeah, it's not. It's not quite. It's. I would be baffled. I, I, I would say Roussan, but it's not a true Roussan. You know what I'm saying? But. Well, and I think it makes sense that yours would be a little bit uh, fuller bodied. I mean, both because it, it had some of that oak aging, um, right. but also um, the Suvla wine, uh, the, the, the vineyards are in Gelibolu, which is on the Gallipoli Peninsula. So it's going to be a bit warmer there. Um, okay. They also have like a, I think, oh, what did she tell me? Sandy clay soils. Okay um yeah it's warmer and they've got they're they're on the peninsula which means that they've got the aegean coming on them from this so side and the sea of marmara coming from them on this mm -hmm. side um but the sevillen vineyards are a little bit closer to um they're more i mean they're along the water but they're on the mainland so they're not getting um if anything they're getting a little bit of the the continental influence from uh from the thracian side of the country mm -hmm. And now, a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracina Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous, so we decided he deserved to be our wine club spokesdog. In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers. The Sweet 16, where you'll receive three bottles twice a year and get 25% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 30% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year. Or make it to the Final Four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 35% off all purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to your bank for each person you refer. Head to www.dracinawines.com or the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stopped the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. Both of the waters. Hey, I, it's... It's more acidic than a Roussan. Now that I'm tasting it more, I'm like, hmm, maybe I need to backtrack off of that Roussan. But that was my first, that was my first thought. Um, you know, if I had to blind, would, knows it. I would almost say medium, for my, me, medium, medium minus acidity. It's not, 
bouncing with acidity or anything. It's not, it's, it's a hard grape to pin down. Yeah. For that, yeah. for that very reason. And I mean, I know it, it can, it might also have to do with, um, and this was a question that I forgot to ask the winemakers when they did their harvests. Um, so what, can you elaborate on why you would ask that question? Uh, well, especially since they are coming from two different parts, I mean, nearby, like an hour drive from each other, but, you know, far enough away and with enough um, uh, different climatic influences, depending on when they did their harvests, they might, uh, like the Savilen Yapanjok might have been left a little bit longer and, you know, lost a little bit more of that acidity to the okay. sugar as it ripened a little bit more. It's also a, a significantly darker color than any other of the Yapanjaks that we have. Okay. Uh, whereas the Suvla, because it's also got these breezes working for it, and because I know that they do pick to make sparkling wine, traditional method sparkling wine, they might do an earlier harvest. Yeah, let me see. I don't I, know if I'm getting, I'm getting now that it's warming up a bit, um, almost like a baking spice type um like i got a hint of a banana <laughs> like it's i'm calling it banana a baking banana so horrible um uh almost like an allspice let me go back to like almost like an allspice nose am i being weird i said no no not at all i could absolutely see that it it actually reminds me and nobody is going to know what the hell I'm talking about, but Mike loves um, these cookies and I haven't made them for him in years, um, but there, it has allspice and ginger. It's, it, I think it's an allspice cookie. I don't know, but um, he loves them. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's, it's a little, uh, which I guess I wouldn't expect that in a white, but it's kind of allspicy. And, and maybe now that you say that, that's like all I taste. And I'm reminded that, <laughs> no, I'm reminded that I, I love this wine and I so rarely let myself have it because it's not an inexpensive wine on the Turkish market. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's not a wine that I would just open any day of the week. It's not a Wednesday night wine. It's not generally, although this would I almost get, <laughs> there is almost like a, um, I don't want to say it like on the finish now that it's warmed up mm -hmm. as it's dissipating. It's like something from my childhood. And it's like, I used to buy it from the good humor guy. It was taffy between two pieces of wax paper. <gasps> yes. I Laffy taffy? No, I don't know what it was called. Bill, the good humor guy, would sell it in front of our elementary school when I lived in New Rochelle. Um, and, and it was, Almost like the banana one. It's like a yeah, like like a banana runt. But I don't like banana. But I, it's I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, that's a definite banana. And Andrea, I've also can you can you? It's a completely different profile. It's it's like pear blossom, yellow fruits. It's a little mineral. It's I got some mineral on mine. Yeah. There's there's some sort of minerality, some mm -hmm. sort of minerality to it. Um, and it's a very sensational minerality. It's like something that you still kind of, you feel kind of alive on your tongue, I think. 
Yeah, it's not it's not the wet stone. It's not it's it's uh-huh. not but it's, it's definitely like uh like a fun wine that speaks to you, but not a um it's not bouncing. No. It's it's a it it it's a definitely a you know, it's a fun, nice I'm I'm finding it very easy drinking. So so let me just go. You said it's not it's not a uh an inexpensive wine. Uh I didn't even look at what, what these wines cost. About what so what does my wine cost? Am I gonna keel over in my chair here? What does might very well. So we just had another um price increase. Um both um because it happens every new year and because of the most recent round of inflation. Uh so I hang on, I just bought this one the other day. So it was two hundred and eighty Turkish lira, which I don't know, divide that by thirteen. Two how much? Two eighty? So, yeah, so it's about twenty twenty two dollars, which twenty two dollars. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot when you're in the U.S. and you you know see wine prices from all over the world mine. of all different ranges. For here, that's a it's a pricey wine. That's here. a pricey that wine. One now okay. is, I mean, it's not the most expensive. They get more expensive here too, um, but for the local market, I mean, that's a pretty expensive wine. The Sevin then maybe runs around thirteen, fourteen dollars. Okay. Oh, okay. But, okay. and then what about your third one? The one, the... Um, this one... Because that's the one is, that most are going to be able to find, price. correct? Uh, yes, most people, well, most people should be able to find one of the Pacheli Japanjaks. Uh, I think this particular one didn't make it to the U.S., but he has another one that did. And I am, sorry, really quickly looking up one of the shops that I know carries it and I will be able to tell you how much they charge for it. So the drinking age in Turkey is definitely 18 years old. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yep. Um, so I think this plus. in the U.S. would run you maybe $15. 15? Okay. okay. And now... So the one I have is, is the most expensive. So is this because it's oak? It's got oak on it, and Debbie's and the the other one you have is not oak aged. Um, mine is the the Pacheli was uh, aged partially in oak. It sat five months on the lees in a combination of steel tank and uh, like three hundred liter French oak barrels, but okay. only five months. Uh, okay. Where is the yours? Spent, yeah, I need 10 months. Um, okay. Well, that's always Yep. It was also barrel fermented, which also increases the price. And then, I mean, also, you know, to be fair to, to Suvla, it is, they have a more basic Japanjak that is much less expensive. Okay. And so this is their higher quality okay. level wine. So, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question which I blew my mind when you first told me this. Although I don't know why because there's so many rules for here with TTB and all of that stuff and uh whatever, but it is actually illegal for um for the wine to 
uh, for the wineries to promote themselves on social media? Is that right? Um, not just on social media. Advertising alcohol is illegal and has been since 2013. Um, so not just not just the wineries like, you know, Raqqa, this is the country of Raqqa. Um, you can't advertise that. You can't advertise beer. None of this. Um, and so by that law, in theory, you are also not supposed to be having websites or social media. And uh, one of the ways that some of the wineries get around this is um, they, they have all these things, but they don't show pictures of the wine. And they don't okay. show pictures of a wine label. Uh, so that's kind of one of the little loopholes. But I, I also don't know that this is at the top of anyone's like cracking down on anyone who might be skirting this particular regulation is not exactly on the top of anyone's priority list right now. Um, but I guess it depends. It's one of the, it's depends on how you read the law. So is it kind of equivalent to like a lot of our pre-prohibition laws that just still are on the books or, you know, or we, you know, Deb, we did, we did the, an episode of wine writers wrap up that had ridiculous state laws, you know, exactly. like you can't, you, you can't ride a horse and drink alcohol or whatever, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Do you think that's what it's like? It's just these ancient laws. Nobody pays attention to them anymore. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> no, I think that this is a, a serious law that, you know, oh. that they really mean. Um, and there were a number of wineries when I reached out to them for interviews who didn't want to talk to me because of this ban on advertising. Um, and a lot of people are very serious about not having websites or any social media presence at all. Um, but I think it's a little bit more like, it's a little bit like the way Turks drive and all of the road rules and regulations are suggestions oh okay or at least that's how it seems to me when i'm on the road that everything is just a suggestion you're on like you know like a four lane road and suddenly there are six lanes and you're wondering how that happened and you know how is there room for this guy next to me <laughs> but do you think okay, that, remind me not to want to drive in turkey do you think that the wineries are afraid how do i say this um are afraid if they were to say put a, the ones that don't have websites up there i mean are, and you know are and they're afraid to talk to you because you're going to you know be talking about their wine and stuff that there would be some type of penalty that they would have to pay that was my impression when when i spoke with them and there are a few wineries who like i said are very um very much by the books about this and and they won't um, do any kind of anything that could be construed of as advertising. And a lot of those wineries are the, the bigger wineries. That, um, one of them told me we've got such a spotlight on us because we are a big winery. We're a well-known name. So we, we can't afford to, you know, play around with the regulations. Um, whereas others maybe post a website on, uh, on a server that's based somewhere else. Uh, okay. And they, they get around it that way. And there are, um, I mean, some of this is because of the exporting that they that they do do. There are a few wineries that have um, social media 
that is like it's their their German social media or their Dutch social media site. Um, so lots of little loopholes. Uh, Michael is asking if you think that that regulation is due to Muslim influence. That's a good question. Um, it is entirely possible. Um, it's, 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 it's funny because, I mean, Ataturk liked himself a tipple, and I think there are many famous pictures of him having a, a glass of, of something. And one of the first um, modern wineries he, he started, there was the Ataturk Vineyard and um, like farm center in, in Ankara, um, which he started to help, you know, uh, keep the wine industry back to gear after Phylloxera came through here. Um, and we do have a more conservative, um, pro, conservative Muslim government now. Uh, uh, so they well could be that. Uh, they certainly like their tax money though. So um, they're, they're not shutting it down yet, which is I think what we're all thankful for. <laughs> <laughs> like if it kind of, it blows my mind. Like how do you, if you are a winery, how do you decide to go into you know, because we all know wineries are not cheap, right? It costs a lot of money to to produce wine and to have a winery. If you can't advertise at all, how do these wineries expect to make money? How, you know, or get customers or whatever? It's uh, people here are very, very smart and very um, entrepreneurial. So I think that's one of the reasons why I mentioned earlier that they're doing to help support enotourism is so many of them have an on-site restaurant and they advertise the restaurant. Uh, so can I ask, uh, are the are wines available at other restaurants that not necessarily their restaurant? Like can they sell their wines to other restaurants? Yes, yes. Can yes do absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And there are a number of wine events that continue to happen in, in Turkey. There are two, I mean, you know, the last two years aside, uh, there are two that happen in Istanbul. Um, there's a big one in Izmir, which is another one of the big cities. Um, Borsa, which is a really conservative city from what I understand, has a big wine festival as well. They have a really big gastronomy population there like like people really interested in food and drink in in this city uh so how they manage to do all of these things despite this ban is is one of those things that flummoxes a lot of us <laughs> <laughs> i get it i get it it's an interesting con it's an interesting thing you know like it, Evelyn has put in the chat, you know, not being able to advertise would be tough there, you know, if you were a winemaker. And I, I think about that, like, if I yeah. couldn't advertise, how is somebody going to find me? How, you know, or promote um, your product or talk right. about what you're doing? I mean, that's, right. that's what it's you know, about. I think, I think that's one of the things where, uh, I mean, I've read so much over the last year or so about um, criticism about wine influencers on social media 
and I get where a lot of these articles were coming from because yes, I, I hate the people who are just the influ you know who you know who I'm talking about, the influencers. The social what actually, be social distortion. The people who aren't caring about the wine or the information yeah. that they're actually mm -hmm. giving. Yeah. Right. However, here, um, this, the social media influencers for, for wine, they are, they are the advertisers. That's kind of how they function. Uh, they are the de facto advertisers because they're individual people. Um, you know, they're not associated with a winery or with, um, you know, with a marketing firm or anything. Uh, so they can post as many pictures of wines and talk about them as much as they want. And some of the, um, some of the accounts here have, I mean, tens of thousands of, of followers. So they are, they're a really big deal here in, in a good way. Um, and there's also, uh, I've recently made an acquaintance of a fantastic young woman who is, uh, a winery marketing expert. And we had a, I can't wait to talk more with her because we, we started talking about kind of like black market, like, you know, like the black market marketing kind of, like how, how do you market wine when you can't advertise it? Um, and so there are people who work on this here. Um, fascinating. That's pretty good. That's, it's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely interesting. Yeah. So it's almost dinner time where I am. <laughs> well, actually, it's past dinner time. But what would you, what's a good uh, pairing for this? Oh, oh. What, what do you think? What let would me, you? Let me take one that you have again. <laughs> well, all three of them. I mean, I know we go from one extreme to the other. So you got the bubbles and, you know, but... I can see mine almost with um, a lot of fish. Yes. Like um, a lot of fish, um, a lot of seafood, salads. Yeah. These are great wines to take with salads. Mm -hmm. Cold uh, soups, maybe. Mm -hmm. Cold soups. I've also done um, like some chicken with savory fruit sauces. Okay. Um, with a couple of these, uh, you know, like... Um, like baked chicken with some quince or some pears or something like that. That, Ooh, quince. that can yeah. work very well. Um, and also, I mean, if we're talking Turkish food, one of the things I really like these with is the um, stuffed grape leaves. Nice. Okay. Um, I was thinking falafel. Ooh, yeah. falafel would be good. Like that. I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm still getting that old spice. That's all I'm getting. I can see something yeah. with pork and apples. Pork yes, and apples. absolutely. Apples. Yeah. Oh, Philip here has a question, which is totally going to change the subject. <laughs> Do you suggest traveling to Turkey with a suitcase full of top quality international wine? <laughs> it depends I don't know about on that. how willing you are to lose that wine when you go through customs. Uh, are you not they, allowed they to bring wine in? in the you get two bottles and they're very serious oh. about it. Um, if they catch you, they're very serious about it. Uh, what they do when you enter Turkey is, you know, you go through the nothing to declare line, but there are usually a couple of uh, security guards standing there and they wave people over to a different line. And then you have to put your bags through a scanner. 
and those scanners can tell that you have wine. <laughs> so they'll take it away. They'll take it away. You don't get fined, but they'll take oh, okay. it away because there's not, like you're not going to end up in prison, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's also not like the U.S. where you just pay the duty on top of it. There, they don't have that here. Um, yeah. So. So two bottles. Ooh. Two bottles. So Philip, you might want to limit how long you're there. <laughs> you can only have two bottles. Or drink a lot of Turkish wine while you're here. There you go. You know, that's, you know yeah. what? When you go to a foreign country, you're supposed to embrace in in the food and the wine of that country so absolutely, absolutely. you know yes what you're there for if you if you wanted to drink what you have at home stay home that is true sure, right? you can always, you can always drink it, what you have you know so so you did say that these wineries that at least the the passage Mm-hmm. The one you have that we don't, um, we can find here yeah. in the United States. But <laughs> but in terms of export, like, do you know how much, uh, like, not necessarily what the what Turkish production is, but like how much gets exported versus how much stays in in Turkey, you know? I don't. Um, it's not a lot. The the exports there there are a few bigger target markets for Turkish wine exporting. Um, the UK has a fair amount. Germany, the Netherlands, um, Australia is a big market. Okay. Uh, Hong Kong, but North America doesn't get as much as I would like to see. Um, uh, which is there. I mean, there are so many reasons for that. Uh, but I, no, unfortunately, that I believe that I'm going to say a number and somebody's going to call me on it and say that I'm totally wrong. But and I kind of hope they do so that I know the real number. But I would say that less than a quarter gets exported. Oh, wow. OK, so not a wow. lot. At it's all. not a lot. Not, not a lot. It's not a lot. And there, there are really a few big names doing exports. Um, and why not necessarily do you the biggest that? wine, but just a few names doing it. Some of it is because, um, what? Sorry, why do I think it's the, just that the fewer? It's not or? exported. That it's not exported. There are a lot of reasons. Um, one is, I mean, I, I still have a hard time convincing people that Turkey is a winemaking country. So you know, no one's going to their local shop asking for Turkish wine or deliberately looking for it. So there's not a huge amount of demand outside for Turkish wine. Um, there are also a number of logistic problems for some of the wineries because we have so many wineries that are very small that, you know, make less than, I mean, we have a handful that make 5,000 or less bottles, but we have a number that make less than 100,000 bottles. And big importers want that or more. And people are saying, I can't give you that. I don't have that. Or if I have that, that is my entire production. And right. you can't have it all. <laughs> uh, and then there are some issues with the wineries themselves. Um, we do have some imported wines here. They are massively overpriced and for the most part, not great quality. Um, so just kind of because of the way the market is, Turkish wineries have a monopoly. And so if they're charging 
you know, 20 to $30 a bottle here in their monopoly. And an importer says, you know, you can't charge that right. abroad because now you're competing with everyone. Then some of the wineries get a little, you know, what do you mean? I can't, that's, that's my price. That's, you know, that's what my wine is worth. I, you know, ugh. and then they refuse to sell their wine. <laughs> So there's not many wines that are available, imported wines. Like you don't see any or a lot of California, French, Australian. We see Australian. very little, uh, very little American wine. Um, there are one or two German wines floating around. It's been years since I've seen an Austrian wine. We mostly get really, really, really cheap Bordeaux. They love Bordeaux here. Most wineries here make a Bordeaux blend. Um, there's a fair amount of Italian wine, especially cheap Chianti, but then we also get madly expensive, you know, Chateau Latour kind of wines here. I mean, there's there's either all of this or some of this. <laughs> well, it kind of shows the divide of the income categories it really it really does and the markup on the wines is insane i remember when i first moved here seeing a wine that i used to see all the time at trader joe's for eight dollars and it cost the equivalent of 20 or 25 oh my goodness you're like ah yeah yeah i think it was when i saw that bottle that i was like let me check out this turkish wine what is this grape called <laughs> So actually, that's perfect, because I'm going to ask you about your book, uh, about your book. So you came, you you come to Turkey and then you explore the Turkish, you know, wine scene. And now you've just released a book. So tell us about the book. And I have been seeing your your, you know, your little cards similar to like what I had, um, mm -hmm. what Debbie and I showed up in the in the chat there. Uh, but tell us about your book and and. Can Americans find your book and what, what can we do? Yes. Uh, yes. So God, I don't even remember how many years ago it was now. Um, four or five years ago, I came home from a trip somewhere. I'd been to a few wineries. I'd bought their wines of this place book and like, geez, why doesn't Turkey have this? I mean, this is such a tourism country and so much food and wine. And I kind of sat around for about six months going, well, surely one of the Turkish wine bloggers is working on this and nothing and nothing and nothing. So, all right, I'm going to do it. Good for you. And in my absolute utter arrogance, I was like, you know, wine is such an international thing. Surely everyone will speak English and I will have no problems contacting people. That was not true. Um, <laughs> my, my research partner and I started keeping track and I think we did about three quarters of the interviews in Turkish. Like, Oh, wow. There's not a lot of English. Um, so I spent yeah, four That's years. You Google Translate? <laughs> yeah. To a degree, yeah, when we wanted to be fast and, you know, we were trying to get through some, um, if we could get material from people. Um, this is why my wine Turkish is so good because, you know, you have to go around asking people about their soil types and their vintage variations and all of these weird things. Um, but so I spent about four years with a research partner and my photographer, whose name is um, Emma Aslahan Bashir Rose. She's a Canadian Turk. I met her in Turkish class. Uh, <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> and then um, 
most of the way into kind of writing the book, I met my phenomenal graphic designer who made all of these infographics for me, who designed my whole book, who did the cover. I mean, she's just a brilliant woman. Her name is Bashak Guklich. Uh, she designs under the um, company name Empathia Creative. Um, and yet finally, I, I, yeah, I finally had a book, spent a few months trying to interest a traditional publisher in it and had no bites. Uh, so went the self-publishing route and yeah, it's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy I did it in the end. I'm annoyed with myself that I spent so long trying to get a traditional publisher. You have more control. More, so much more control. So much more control. Um, and when you want to update it, it's very easy to update. It's yep. yep. And yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it was, it was the good, it was absolutely the good way to go. Um, and I think I finally had the physical book in my hand. Gosh, only in like the beginning of December. It hasn't even been that long yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, in the US and the UK, Australia, etc., cetera, uh, it's available on Amazon. It is okay. possibly available in brick and mortar stores, but since I'm not there, I don't know. Um, I know it's also available on Amazon in Canada. Uh, a few people have sent me pictures. And here in Turkey, it is available in a number of bookstores and wine shops. Yes, we've been seeing that, that on awesome. your social media. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> That's you. awesome. That is way awesome. Thank you. It's uh, it's one of those things that's so, uh, as soon as I got the book in my hands, immediately noticed like 10 things that I missed during my editing, my many, many rounds of editing. I did the same. I did the same. So, you know, one of the winery owners said the best thing to me because I, I was telling him, I was like, oh God, yeah, so many mistakes. He's like, you know what? We make mistakes sometimes with wine too. Like the first couple of years, we, me we mess it up too. And I'm like, thank you. It's <laughs> the best thing anyone could have yes. said to me. <laughs> well, Evelyn in the chat is saying, I love the cover of your book. Glad you committed yourself to getting it done. I have looked into self-publishing the route as well. So. And Evelyn, if you have any questions about the self-publishing route, I know you can reach out to me. You can, you can reach out to Andrea and we'll be able to share it. So oh, and uh, no, Karen, we did. We're getting there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell us the name of the book um, so that they can find you on Amazon. It is the essential guide to Turkish wine. This is the cover that Evelyn is so kindly sharing all of, all of the time on the Facebook group. Uh, which well, it's backwards for you guys, but this is it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, fantastic designer. She did such a beautiful job with this. Um, yeah. Uh, congratulations, because I I think it's incredible. Uh, you know, and Debbie too. You you know, you both have your you have your books published, and that in its own right is is an incredible thing. And I I know. I know what it feels like to see, even from, you know, working non-wine, working in, you know, uh, Unilever, you know, where I met Mike or whatever, seeing your product on a shelf, you know, like when I see to this day, and it's been like, I don't know, 30 years since Lipton Original, 
you know, when I see somebody drinking Lipton original, like, yeah, you're drinking that because of me, you know, and it's, you know, and Mike has that same pride in the product. You know, we can't go into a Starbucks and he, without him saying, oh, well, that's my syrup or that's, you know, whatever, you know, so I get that pride thing. So just for both of you to see your, your words in a book and have people purchasing it and to be an authority on something is just incredible. So kudos to both of you. Kudos. Oh, kudos to you. That's off. Yeah, it's, you know, the, unfortunately, the likelihood of that is, is fairly slim. So I am just uh, promoting it on online. I think the soonest that I will get back to the U.S. is probably not until next September, October, when I will be visiting my parents because I've been a bad daughter and last, last year was the first time in like four or five years I've seen them. Oh. So. Well, it's tough when you're, you know, working abroad, <laughs> you know, you're working abroad and then, you know, COVID happens and yeah, yeah, yeah. The pandemic really got in the way of visiting. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can come to Michigan. I can do a little tour around my parents' village. <laughs> road trip (laughs) (laughs) well um i deb do you have any other anything else did we miss anything i don't think we missed anything um but yes actually um andrea where can we find you on social media your website we know you can buy your book on amazon uh the title of your book yes uh so the essential guide to turkish wine you can find me on amazon um, I am the quirky cork. So the quirky cork.com for my website, uh, Twitter. I am Lemieux Andrea and Instagram. I am quirky cork, but without the, the, because somebody already had it. <sighs> Dang it those people. Happens. I know. Right. I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you. Oh my God, for staying up late. Um, and I, I, I gotta go with you look phenomenal um, you do. 2 a.m 2 a.m and i would be like okay well I, I did start drinking a little bit before you guys so i think you know i had a little bit of an incentive to stay up there but it was such a pleasure thank you so much for having me on oh uh, had so much good. fun you know and uh we gotta let you go to sleep yeah <laughs> But thank you. We really enjoyed it. And it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Laura, you got the controls. Thank you. Oh, I have the controls. So thank you, everybody, for joining. Um, Next month, just as a heads up, we are are talking Swigelt. Yes. So uh, we will give you more information on that. But uh, you can go to um, our website, wineforbedstreet.com. The webinars, it's all the registration for Swigelt's up there. And we will be uh, in Austria next month. So uh, again, I wish I was there in person. I wish I was in Turkey in person, but we'll have to deal with it through the internet. So thank you everybody for joining this episode of Wine for Bet Street. Thank you, Andrea, for um, staying up and sharing your knowledge. And I will say with my last little swig of this here, slancha. Cheers. Cheers, share to pay.
Lori, you got the controls. There we go. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha.